0: Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Uh, Today is Giving Tuesday. It's uh, celebrated on the Tuesday following uh, Thanksgiving, and uh, the widely recognized shopping events of Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Uh, Giving Tuesday is a global day of charitable giving, celebrating the power of community support. It kicks off the charitable season when many focus on their holiday and end-of-year giving. And uh, so we at Utah Public Radio are hoping that uh, you will participate in Giving Tuesday, specifically by uh, donating, uh, whatever you can, an extra gift to Utah Public Radio. And You can go to upr.org to do that, upr.org, on this Giving Tuesday. On Giving Tuesday, we thought we'd bring you one of our favorite episodes of Access Utah from this past year. This happened in March, and uh, we talked with Patty Raymond who was born with the ability to communicate with animals. uh, And she gives great advice, as you'll hear. Uh, Her book is Humans Think, Animals Feel, one of our favorite programs, one of the most popular programs from the past year. Uh, If you hear phone numbers, you'll hear our appeal during the hour to participate in the program. This is, we're on tape, so um, we'll have Patty Raymond on in the next few months so you can uh, get some new questions to her. Here's one of our favorite episodes from the past year, Patty Raymond. (music) Welcome to Access Utah, I'm Tom Williams. Patty Raymond was born with the ability to communicate with animals and has helped thousands of people resolve many types of behavior, health, attitude, and relationship issues with their animal companions. Her book, Humans Think, Animals Feel, Finding Common Ground Between You and Your Animal Companions is an exploration of the human-animal bond. Through stories, exercises, and practical examples, Raymond shows how our actions, thoughts, and emotions affect our animals' behaviors. She says, once you understand how to think like your animal friends, you can build satisfying partnerships with them. Patty Raymond has worked as an animal communicator for more than 15 years. She's been featured on television, hosted an internet radio program, has clients worldwide, and has worked with many types of animals, including birds, reptiles, farm animals, show dogs, competitive sport horses. And in addition to doing home visits and phone readings, she does fundraising events for animal rescue organizations, and she teaches animal communication classes through lifelong learning at the University of Utah as well as private classes. And she joins us for Access Utah, Patty Raymond. Welcome to the program. Hi, Tom. It's uh, great to have you uh, have you on. Um, so, uh, I want to ask uh, first of all about your your gift. Do you call it a, a gift, the ability to communicate with animals.
1: It is, and um, I think everybody has a secret superpower. I think everybody is exceptional at something. And I have always been able to understand how animals think. They think in pictures and emotions. And I've been able to pick them up and translate them into words since I was a child. Uh,
0: So when did you first notice, do you think? or It was always there, and you, you thought everybody did it, I guess.
1: I did. I was I was probably 10 before I realized other people didn't do that. Um, I just thought you talk to people in words and you talk to animals in pictures and everybody knew that and I was kind of surprised when they looked at me and said, wow, you're just kind of strange.
0: And you, I think you kept it close to the best, right? You didn't want your parents scolding you for this?
1: Well, my parents didn't pay a whole lot of attention, so they didn't really know, but yeah, it was not something that um I talked about a lot. You know, if you are a kid and you're like, Mom, Mom, guess what? The dog just told me this amazing thing. She's like, yeah, you have a great imagination. Now please go do your homework. <laughs> so a lot of times, you know, we dismiss that kind of thing in kids. And kids are very aware and intuitive and they get it. And then our society doesn't really support that. And we kind of shut that down and I was lucky and that didn't happen I really started to do this uh, more when I was in uh, college and I just I started doing it at parties for friends you know they'd show me Mm. a picture and say oh what do you think my dog is about and tell me what he thinks and then I turned it into a business and I've been doing it for about 15 years Uh,
0: you talk about a uh, specific cat that helped you uh, cotton tell us about cotton
1: Cotton was an amazing animal, and I think everybody has one very special animal in their life, and he was mine. Some friends found him on a rainy day, and their landlord wouldn't let them keep him, and the shelter was closed. So they said, "This, you have to take this cat. And I'm like, how did that happen? And he was able to communicate to me that I needed to keep him. I don't really hear an animal's voice. They think in pictures and emotions. They don't think in language. But I was able to hear his voice very clearly, and he kind of made a deal with me. He said if I let him live out his natural lifespan, he would help me develop my gifts. And he did. He lived to be 20. And he was an amazing teacher, and he taught me how to communicate with animals, how to ask them questions.
0: No, uh, I'm sure you encounter people who say, you know, uh, and your website, Patty Pet Psychic, you call yourself a Pet Psychic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm sure people, some people say, oh, come on now. You know, you yeah. you, um, you claim you can communicate lo- with animals, but really, is that possible?
1: I love skeptics. You know, I animals are incredibly intelligent, and they're very emotionally aware. And everybody can learn how to communicate with them to some degree. You may not be able to ask them specific questions or put your hand on their back and say, oh, yeah, you have kidney problems. But if you can learn to think like your animal, you can communicate with them better. So I'm not out to convert anybody. If 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 that doesn't fit into your belief, that's fine. I always tell people, you may not believe in pet psychics, but your dog does. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, your animal does. Um, I, I want to read this paragraph for the introduction of your book. Uh, by the way, is uh, humans think animals feel? Uh, the author is Patty Raymond, and uh, the the website for Patty Raymond is uh, pattypetpsychic.com dot com. Yep. Um yep. Let's see. So I want to I want to read this. This this struck me. You know, whether or not you believe in the the psychic powers, we we can all get on board with this. You say we can choose to see animals as objects, property, or as a way to serve our emotional needs. In truth, animals are our partners, our friends, our teachers. We share our lives with them. They're unique individuals. They have their own agendas. They're the subject of their lives. They deserve to be treated as the intelligent, emotionally responsive beings they are. Our relationships with animals have much more resonance than the words pet and owner imply. That one sentence struck, uh, struck me. Um, they are the subjects of their lives. And a lot of times we don't treat them like that.
1: Right. They, we play a huge supporting role in their life. We feed them, we let them in and out, we pat them on the head, we talk to them. But they make their own choices. And, you know, they get to have self-determination to some degree. We help them. We support their lives. But, you know, if an animal doesn't like you, they don't like you. You know, if they don't like another animal in the house, you can't make them be friends. You can develop some domestic tranquility so you don't live in a circus. But they get to make a lot of choices about their own life if we let them. And I think if we give them that, they have a lot to teach us. They can teach us about compassion and joy and tolerance, things that are in short supply right now.
0: By the way, uh, we would love for you to call in or email us with your uh, question. Uh, I should note here, uh, Patty, you've notified us that you won't be able to do a you know full psychic reading because you need a photograph at least of uh, of the animal. Yeah, I.
1: I need to either be with them or be looking at a photograph to make a, a good connection. But if people have general questions, I would love to answer them.
0: Yeah, and so you've had a lot of experience and I'm sure can uh, answer very effectively. So we'd love to uh, have you take advantage of, of this opportunity. And here's here are the ways to reach Patty Raymond here uh, to talk about the animal companion in your life. Now let me uh, We do have an email here from Andrea uh, who has emailed us. Andrew says, my my spouse and I share our home with a lovely and gentle senior dog named Beppo, who is currently experiencing a health crisis. We may have to make a decision about the end of his life in the coming days or weeks. Beppo is a very intuitive dog who picks up on the feelings of those around him. How do we help him enjoy the rest of his time without letting our sadness overcome him, too? What do you think, Betty?
1: That's a great question, and end-of-life decisions are Really important to consider and to do well. I mean, you spend every day of your life with your animal and you love them and they love you unconditionally. And when they're at the end of their life, it is very emotional. It's really important to stay connected to the animal's physical needs. You know, are they in pain? You know, keep them hydrated. Keep them taking their medication. But you also have to be aware of their emotional needs. And if you – it is sad. You know, it is very sad. Try not to let them see that. You know, really in your heart remember how they were at their happiest and healthiest. And put all of your emphasis on their life and not on their death. You know, have a plan. Decide some – some markers. You know, the things I look for are pain that can't be managed, if they are losing their dignity, they can't make it outside to go potty, or they have some kind of mental collapse where, you know, the dog's getting lost under the table legs, or he's stuck in a corner and he's forgotten how to back up. Those are very critical points, and that's usually when you need to say goodbye. Until then... Celebrate what they can do. Don't focus on the loss. Don't be thinking, oh, we used to be able to go for hikes, and now you can only make it down to the mailbox before you're tired. Focus on going down to the mailbox. That's still great. You know, eating, sleeping, drinking, wagging their tail when they when you come home. Those are really important dog things. When those stop, the quality of life has ended. So there's a small window between quality of life and suffering. And most people hit that window just right. So trust your intuition, stay connected to your animal, spend as much time with them as you can. If you have, you know, a few weeks or maybe even months, make a little bucket list. It's kind of fun. And celebrate the success, excuse me, really focus on the love that you have instead of the loss.
0: Uh, I want to uh, focus on this this one sentence from Andrea. It says Beppo is a very intuitive dog. Picks up on the feelings of those around him. Uh, imagine that would uh, you know Beppo might be more intuitive than some others, but uh, that's how animals. I mean, they don't they don't have language, right? So they 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 pick up on cues from us, and I suppose yeah. we can change those cues. We can change how we communicate.
1: Yeah, they pick up on our emotion, and they understand human emotion very well, and they also understand our body language better than we understand theirs so you know don't let him see you cry and put on a happy face and you know celebrate his life they are um, animals always want their person to be happy and healthy and if you're worried about them they're worried about you and you can just set up a negative spiral where everybody's miserable so you're the brains behind the operation, so you can think your way out of that that conundrum and be happy, you know, pretend to be happy. You're not going to be, but pretend, you know, it, it, be smiling and use exaggerated gestures and just be thrilled that your animal wakes up in the morning. Because when you get down to the end of life, that can be all you've got sometimes. Mm. So... All animals are intuitive, and Beppo's probably more worried about Andrea than Andrea is about Beppo right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder. Just uh, taking this more broadly, communication between uh, animals and, and uh, humans. Um, what would you say in general to your your advice in terms of improving communication? It's it's and, and you you emphasize it's about the relationship, right? It's it's like human mm-hmm. to human relationship. You have a relationship with your. Animal, and that's uh, communication is a big part of it.
1: Yeah, um, communication helps you move out of conflict, and the more you can think like your animal, the easier it is to live with them. And you can apply some pretty basic skills in sophisticated ways to change their behavior. So you you can think like your animal, but they can't think like you. A dog has roughly the intelligence of a two-year-old child, and people tell me all the time, my dog understands every word I say. Probably not. <laughs> the average dog may know 200 words or phrases, and the average person knows between 20,000 and 40,000 words. So your animal is listening very carefully to those key words that have an emotional resonance to them, Cat's about like an 18-month-old child, but less verbal. They may know a few dozen words. So your thoughts and emotions are what they're really understanding. And the more you can be aware of that, the more you can shape the relationship.
0: Um, I wonder, I'm curious, fold this in here. You have the ability to, uh, I guess you'd call it read, read. Mm-hmm. animals, uh, yeah. th- th- thought, at least emotions, right, coming through as pictures. So maybe tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I see events from their life, and I feel their emotions. So humans have a biography. We can think about things that have happened in our lives and notice patterns and put them in order. It's kind of like putting beads on a string. Animals don't think that way. They live in the present, and that's what they focus on. So they're not really that concerned about the past or the future. So their biography is like a cup of beads. And the shiniest ones, the most emotional ones, are the ones that are on top. So that's what I pick up when I'm communicating with an animal. And it takes practice, but I believe that anybody that loves an animal can do that as well.
0: What uh, what kinds of things would you suggest a person does or do what techniques, but how to practice that? If you have, if you'd a, like a to, a lot do of that.
1: it is awareness and focus. You know, it goes back to you know you're living with this intelligent, emotionally aware being that shares your life on a very intimate level, and a lot of times we function in autopilot. You know, your cat jumps up and. Sp- bumps across your computer keyboard, and the first thing you do is pick her up and put her down on the floor. So she got three seconds of your attention, but that's not enough. So the first thing, the next thing she does is jump right back up, and you can repeat that 30 times. You don't get any work done, you're not satisfying her needs, and you're both frustrated. So Kat jumps up, acknowledge her, talk to her, pet her a little bit, maybe get up and play with her for five minutes, and then she's going to be satisfied and she's probably going to go take a nap so that disconnect and not being aware of filling the animal's needs causes all kinds of emotional problems Mm. and it causes relationship problems when they're not satisfied their behavior gets worse it gets more intense it gets more extreme you know the dog comes and puts his paw on you and you brush it off and he does that 10 times and then the eleventh time you explode on him because you've had enough. He doesn't get that, and you're not doing anything to build the relationship. So a lot of animal communication, making a good connection with them, is awareness.
0: You say uh, many people function on autopilot in their relationships with their animals. That's um, <laughs> it. Occurs to me that uh, you know in some human relationships we foc- we we uh, function on autopilot, and in both cases that can cause problems.
1: Yeah, humans are amazingly good at ignoring stuff and not, you know, being in our own little bubble. (laughs) It causes all kinds of problems. And, you know, it helps us because our lives are complex and we need these kind of mindless routines to get us through our day. Your animal doesn't need mindless routines. He's present, he's focused, he's aware. And you're the most important thing in his life, so he needs some feedback from you. He needs to know where the boundaries are. He needs to know if his behavior is acceptable. He needs to know that you approve of him. And we do operate in autopilot a lot in relationships. So animals serve as cute, furry laboratories to work on your relationship techniques. And you can change your input and see the difference in their behavior. More complex with people because people have their own agendas and they always have ulterior motives in relationships. Your relationship with your animal is simple and it's very pure because they love you unconditionally. And they really do want you to be happy and healthy, so they will change their behavior to match your input in the relationship.
0: Uh, even cats... <laughs>
1: uh. Even cats, and i am uh i I love cats because they're all completely unique individuals, and they are they are self contained cats are very intelligent, and cats really love their person they may not love other people, but they really bond to their person they are very loyal i mean a lot of people won't just open the front door and let their dog walk out, but they do that unthinkingly with their cat because they know the cat will come home. And cats are very emotional. So it takes effort to change your cat's behavior, but you can.
0: Hmm. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we have an email from Tammy. We'll uh, learn about uh, Tammy's golden doodle named Chili. And uh, okay. well, there's, a, there's a problem there that maybe you can help uh, Tammy with and Chili. Um, we'd love to get your question for uh, Patty Raymond, who's a pet psychic. Uh, she won't be able to do a reading for you over the radio, but uh, she has a lot of good advice. And uh, you can pick up her book as well, which is titled Humans Think, Animals Feel. Uh, you can check out her website at uh, pattypetpsychic.com. More following this break. And just before we go to break, uh, we're enjoying this program with Patty Raymond from March of this year, one of our favorite episodes of the entire year. We're trying to put our best foot forward here on Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday is uh, follows Black Friday and Cyber Monday. It's a global day of charitable giving, celebrating the power of community support. Uh, we just uh, highlighted some great non-profits and individuals doing good in our communities last week on the program, program that we episode we like to do periodically. And uh, that was a powerful example. So many people responded. Uh, there are a lot of people doing good in our communities. We hope that you consider Utah Public Radio in the mix. And on this Giving Tuesday, we are appealing to you to give to your public radio station Uh, you can go to upr.org upr.org you can make a difference today on Giving Tuesday and uh, here's my sincere thank you uh, in advance Support for holiday programming on Utah Public Radio is brought to you in part by our members and Intermountain Budge Clinic located at Logan Regional Hospital offering a range of medical services including pediatrics women's health orthopedics plastic surgery and more Details about our new caregivers at org.
1: This is Professor Beth Fouth for Bringing More to Life. What is empathy? It includes taking your aging parents' perspective and recognizing your parents' view as
0: their truth, staying out of judgment, recognizing emotions and
1: communicating that understanding to them. It is feeling with another person, It's being vulnerable to that same hurt or loneliness or loss they are expressing. Being empathetic takes time and effort. In our busy days as we balance our needs with the needs of our parents, it can be lost. Sharing feelings can bring more to their life in ways you never knew. Support for Bringing More to Life on Utah
0: Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and the Sunshine Terrace Foundation and Logan, Advancing wellness, independence, dignity, and comfort. Information at sunshineterrace.com. Today's Access Utah episode was first broadcast this year in March. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah today. We're uh, talking about the animals in your life um, and we have with us Patty Raymond, author, Patty Raymond, rather, uh, author of Humans Think Animals Feel. And, uh, she says in this book, uh, she's uh, trying to get us, uh, to have a better connection, better relationship, uh, overcome conflicts with the animals in our lives, better communication. It's uh, a lot of the, what this comes down to. Um, and, uh, we're talking about that, and, uh, uh, Carl in St. George has called us. Carl, I'm glad you called to go ahead with your question or comment.
1: Thank you. Good morning, folks. My question is Hi. twofold. Number one, what do you think about these electric pet collars that give a animal a shock to uh, promote the right discipline that you want in them? And the second question is, is, how long does an animal remember, like a dog or cat, if he does if he or she does you thing on the floor, then you come in half hour later and see it and you try to discipline your animal In Do they remember that or do you have to do it right at the time or how do you handle that? Well, dogs and cats are not goldfish. You know, they have good memories for emotional events. So, you know, when you come in and there's a mess on the floor, you kind of have three options. The first is you just sigh heavily and get the cleaning stuff and clean it up. That's not a terribly good option. Or you can get really upset and punish your dog, and the dog just thinks you're a big reactive ape. He doesn't understand what's going on. Or you can kind of use that as a training moment and set some boundaries and help the dog learn better behavior. So you have to make it an an emotional event. And, you know, you may not remember what you had for lunch last Tuesday unless it was an exceptionally good or bad meal. So you don't remember a lot of stuff either. You come in, there's a mess on the floor. And this works with dogs and cats, and it's about how you handle it. You have to be emotionally prepared and focused. If you just go off like a volcano, it doesn't solve any problems. So you come in and you're like, "Did you do this?" You know, you have to take your animal, you show them the mess, don't, you know, rub their face in it because that's abusive. It's like, "Did you do this? You pooped on my floor?" That is absolutely unacceptable. I will not tolerate that. And you're you're making a boundary. You're saying why you're upset. And they can understand that. So it takes some practice. You do have to set some boundaries. As far as shot collars, I really dislike them. Um, if you're insecure, your little anxiety is up, you're indecisive, and then you get a little fear and pain in that mix, you're giving them a really good emotional signal, but it's the wrong one. The only time I recommend shock collars is for... Dogs that have high prey drive, they're either harassing livestock, they're harassing wildlife, or they're, like, going after people on bikes because they get such tunnel vision when they get in hunting mode. The only way you can break that is with a shock collar. For discipline, I don't really do, like, reward and punishment with animals. I'm more focused on cooperation. So, you know, I think shock collars are a very
0: four way to discipline an animal. Uh Carl, Does that thank your you. question? Yeah. Yes. Great. Okay. Thanks Carl, appreciate that.
1: You're uh, welcome.
0: I uh Patty I have a follow up on uh, one of Carl's questions. Uh I am curious, uh you say uh dogs for example really live in the present.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh
0: so that question, an intriguing question, how how long do they remember?
1: Oh, they can remember emotional events forever. Um I'll give you an example that's in the book. I, I talk about my cat Monster because Monster is a very uh different cat. She had this temper when she was a baby and she's a savage biter. <laughs> Most people are like, Why why did you keep her? And it's like, Well, I kept her because I love her. So she has some neurological problems and She's she's just different. And one day I came home from work and I had just had a really tough day and I sat down on my couch and I had a glass of wine and I set it next to, I set it on a book that was sitting on the couch while I took my shoes off and she was very interested in what I was doing, jumped up, wine went everywhere. Of course it was red. And me, my carpet, my couch were all stained. And I was sitting there with my head in my hands just, rocking back and forth, going, I don't believe this. And her eyes were the size of plates. None of this was focused on her. It was my fault. But this was a huge emotional reaction for something that she was involved in. So to this day, this happened 10 years ago. If I open a bottle of of red wine, she hides. Because she can associate that smell with mom having a meltdown.
0: Mm, she, She remembers, yeah.
1: She remembers. So she she doesn't remember that she has an aversion to red wine unless that stimulus is in her environment. Mm-hmm. She's not thinking, oh, I hope mom picks the white instead of the red. She just is going about her day doing her stuff, sleeping in her spot or, you know, playing with her toys or whatever. And she doesn't think about that until that happens. When she smells it, she's gone. Mm. So... That was a big emotional event, and it still affects her behavior to this day. Wow. So, you know, does she remember, you know, what the weather was like yesterday? No. She doesn't doesn't care. You know, she's not thinking about, oh, I hope, you know, mom's around the house more tomorrow. Maybe it's her day off. She's not thinking about that either. So she's really focused on what's going on in her life right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's how animals function, and humans don't think that way. We focus on um, doing. We are obsessed about the past or the future, and a lot of times we're very disconnected with the present. We are able to make complex plans. We think about situations from another's perspective. We think about thinking, and animals don't. They, They respond. One of our biggest differences is that humans focus on avoiding things we don't like. Animals seek out things they enjoy. So they are focused on being. You know, they don't think symbolically. They don't think abstractly. They focus on getting what's important to them, physical and emotional needs met. They focus on things like Social status for dogs. They're very interested in where they are in the pack. Cats focus on territory. They like stuff. They like to know where their stuff is. They like to control their stuff. And horses focus on partnership. They're herd animals, and it's very important for them to have a social network. So we think very differently from animals, but we can think like them if we put some effort into it.
0: And all of those things you were saying—you know, living in the present, uh, seeking out things, joy. I suppose all—all all reasons why we love the animals in our lives. They—they—they they f- they oh, cl- yeah. fill a need. They're,
1: ex- they're excellent models for joy. You know, animals seek joy, and they expect to find it every day. You know, when you're, when you come home from work and your dog greets you at the door, he's ecstatic. You know, that's the best thing that's happened to him all day is that you came home. When your cat is sleeping in the sun, there's nothing happier in the world. You know, that is a pure experience of joy. And they model that for us every day. And there are people that can count the times they've experienced joy on one hand. You know, so animals have simple lives, and they they really don't care about a lot of stuff. You know, your horse doesn't know what a divorce is, and your cat is not concerned about a boss, and, you know, your dog doesn't know why the economy is doing what it's doing. They're just happy to see you when you come home.
0: Well, let's let's bring this in. This is an email from uh, Tammy. Uh, to reference okay. before the break, so uh, Tammy's been waiting patiently. Uh, Tammy says, I own a five-year-old male golden doodle named Chili. He's a really friendly dog, but very protective with a loud, intimidating bark. Whenever my husband goes out of town for work, Chili goes into overprotective mode. He's up frequently at night pacing and barks at every little thing. I'll get up four or five times a night to let him out so he can bark at nothing His overreaction makes me nervous and exhausted, which in turn makes him nervous. How can we break this cycle? Any tips on keeping him at ease when the quote alpha male unquote is not at home? Thanks for your help. That's Tammy.
1: That's, um, that one's fairly complex. And when you, when he's restless at night and you get up and let him out, you are rewarding that behavior. So, yeah, it's, he gets to sleep all day, he doesn't have anything else to do. So he's like, oh, there's something outside that I want to go out. And when you get up and reward that, you are making that behavior even worse. Um, He, sometimes animals will get anxiety to the point that they need medication. I don't think he does, I think it's a behavior modification. When your husband's out of town, you have to be secure and confident and relaxed as well. So, you know, install a security system. Make sure you've got good locks. You know, let people know what's going on so that you feel comfortable. If he's restless at night, he doesn't get to go out. You may lose some sleep. I would do this over a weekend. But you have the the power to resist that. He's pushing your buttons. So set some boundaries. He may be better in a crate. He may be better if that crate is not in your bedroom. You know, do some experimenting with that. And reward him. He's doing the right thing, but he's doing it in the wrong way. So guarding, letting us know that somebody was coming is an important dog dog job. And they've done that for us for several thousand years like 40,000 years possibly. So he's doing the right thing. He's just doing it in the wrong way. When you leave for work in the morning, say, Chili, I love you. I'm going to come home, but I need you to guard the house. Don't let any pterodactyls in the house today. You come home, there's no pterodactyls in your house. He did a great job. So you reward him and you praise him. You say, yes, you did a very good job guarding, and now I'm home and I'm in control and I'm going to take care of the guarding. You can relax. It's it's going to take some practice and it's going to take some time. But yeah, you deserve to get a good night's sleep. So, you know, work on that, have a plan, you know, break it down into small steps and work on that and you can get him to be responding at the right time instead of the wrong time.
0: Okay, hopefully that's uh, helpful uh, Tammy. Good luck with uh, with Chilli. Um that's interesting. Uh that it, it can be a kind of a a feedback loop, right? Uh, Chilli gets oh, nervous sure. and then uh, Tammy gets agitated and then that agitates Chilli and it and it, it can spiral in the wrong direction.
1: Yeah, very quickly. And that's um that's kind of the unawareness. And animals can be very, very focused on getting what they want. They can be, you know, very manipulative. They're really good at understanding how to control people. And, you know, he's probably practiced to get that bark, just the right pitch and volume to wake her up. If it was a little quieter, she might just sleep through it. So he's practiced to get that Exact response out of her. So animals can be really manipulative, and it does take time to change their behavior. You have to continually check in with yourself and say, you know, what am I doing? Am I rewarding bad re- behavior? Am I encouraging good behavior? Do I even know what the difference is? Where's the boundary? So a lot of it is a feedback loop with yourself and with your animal. And if you change, what you're doing, you can notice a change in your animal's behavior, but it isn't instant. You know, it, does, it took a long time to develop that pattern, and it's going to take some time to change it.
0: Well, let's take another break. We'll come back, uh, and we have uh, questions from Valerie and from Shalane. Patty Raymond's book is uh, Humans Think, Animals Feel. Um, and uh, that is out now, and uh, more following this. Just before we go to break, just a reminder that uh, this episode of Access Utah is one of our favorites and uh, favorites of our listeners who've had inquiries about this, uh, episodes from March of uh, this year. So if you hear a phone number, uh, we uh, won't be able to answer your question today, but uh, we'll have Patty Raymond on in the next uh, few months again uh, to get your uh, your fresh question to her. Uh, A reminder, this is Giving Tuesday. Following Black Friday and Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday is a global day of charitable giving. Uh, This is uh, one of the many ways that you can make a difference in your community. Uh, This is a way that you can help public service. So many, many uh, places to give. We hope that Utah Public Radio is on your list. And just a reminder, you can go to our website today, UPR.org, UPR.org, and uh, make an additional gift. And uh, thank you so much in advance. On the next Radio Lab. What is a year of life worth? Wow, what a question. That's deep. $10 million for a year? Are we going to pay $1,000 for an extra day of life? Boy, that's a complicated question. Well, what about $100,000 for an extra day of life? Life is worth it, whatever it takes. But whatever it takes will not cure my cancer. Worth. That's on the next Radio Lab. Coming up today at 10 after Access Utah. Today's Access Utah episode was first broadcast this year in March. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We are talking about <clears throat> the animal in your life. Uh, they give us a lot, and uh, there are ways that we can improve that relationship. Uh, a lot of it comes down to communication. Patty Raymond was born with the ability to communicate with animals. She's helped thousands of people resolve many types of behavior, health, attitude, and relationship issues with their animal companions. Her book, animals Think, uh, Humans Think, Animals Feel, Finding Common Ground Between You and Your Animal Companions, uh, is out. And uh, her website is uh, pattypetpsychic.com. Let's go to this question from Valerie in Smithfield. Valerie says, How traumatic is it for an animal that needs to be rehomed?
1: Oh, um, that is a big trauma for an animal. Um, they. That kind of upsets their apple cart more than anything in the world. It is their biggest fear to be abandoned by people. If you adopt an animal which i'm a big fan of adoption there are great rescue groups all over the country you can get amazing animals through rescue it's it's hard on them they want to have an attachment they love routine they love patterns and when they go to a new home it is it is a trauma so you know when you rehome an animal if you have I try very hard to keep animals in their homes. I try to help solve the problems, create better patterns so that everybody can have a better relationship. Sometimes it's not possible. Make sure that that animal goes to the best situation ever. You have to, you have to verify the people, you have to have the animal's best interest in mind. If you rehome an animal, it's Permanent. Animals get really confused if they don't have a reliable system. So I've worked with animals that were like in shared custody things through a divorce, and they would spend one week at one house and one week at another house. And unless those houses have exactly the same house rules, that animal gets very confused and very manipulative. So if you rehome an animal, it's permanent. I would say you never see the animal again because it puts them right back into this abandonment if you come back into their life. It's something that you have to consider very carefully. And you know, I encourage you to try and work out the problem. But yeah, rehoming is a is a big trauma for animals.
0: i have a follow up on that. What if you're the what if you're on the receiving end? What if you're receiving an animal that's being rehomed? What if you're the new home? What, uh, the new home? Yeah, what? What? what um, how best to welcome that animal and uh, make make sure that they're reassured? Don't uh,
1: don't assume that they know anything. <laughs> um, they, you know, dog-proof your house. Have have a plan. Have everything that you need in place before the animal comes in. Um, if you're introducing an animal into a household that has other animals. Make that transition as low-key and low emotion as possible. Maybe, you know, meet at a neutral place before you bring the animal in. If you are adopting an animal, just know that they may have some interesting behavior problems. I had a client who adopted a dog and it was working out very well for her until she went to her friend's birthday party and the dog jumped on the counter, opened up the cabinet, and took out a box of brownie mix and ate it in the living room and then (laughs) threw up. Oh, boy. Who knew the dog could jump on the cabinet? (laughs) So, you know, things like that can be quite surprising, and that would have been better if the dog had been, you know, confined to one room or in a crate or, you know, had been at doggy daycare so that that didn't happen. And I have to give this woman a ton of credit because she wasn't even really that upset about it. And she kept the dog and enrolled in obedience class right after that. So, (laughs) you know, plan ahead because they can surprise you. And sometimes they have emotional baggage that is very deep that you probably won't ever be able to correct. Some animals are... Um, you know, very head shy, you know, and you you pick up a broom and the dog just flattens out because he's been hit with the stick before, that's something you have to approach very, very carefully and with his his well-being as your highest priority. So it may be that he's outside if you have to sweep the floor or, you know, there are ways to work through that, but it may be very simple to just you know, put the animal in a different place or the dog's out on a walk and, you know, then you hose off the deck or something like that. So think about it from their perspective. A lot of what we do is very frightening. If you come in the house and you take off your hat and your coat, you just change the shape of your body, which animals find pretty scary. Or, you know, you are watching a football game. He's, Images moving around on this flat thing, and you start screaming for no reason. Your cat's going to be in the other room because that doesn't make any sense to her. So, you know, that goes back to the awareness. It's like, what are you doing, and how does your animal perceive it?
0: Uh, next question up uh, is from Shalane. Here's Shalane's question My cat, Dorian, is acting extremely depressed lately. We've taken him to the vet, and he's healthy. He's an only kitty and is often home alone. He doesn't want affection lately and is not nearly as sociable as he used to be. Any suggestions? Should we consider adding another cat? Thank you.
1: Maybe. Um, Cats are solitary hunters. If you think about wild cats, they pretty much live by themselves. Sometimes having another animal is a good thing, but I think it's a mistake to get a pet for your pet. Um, there could be a number of things. Cats do get bored, you know, and a healthy cat can sleep, you know, 18 hours a day. But when you're there, make sure that you're really engaging the cat, that you're playing games, you're talking to him, he's sitting on your, on your lap, you're stroking him. It could be um, that he has some pain that... Cats are really good at hiding pain. It's really hard to tell. Or he could have, um, you know, he could have something going on that is reflecting your emotion. You know, if you are depressed, a lot of times animals will also show that back to you. So there are a lot of things to look at with that, and you know, keep a keep a close eye. If you think something's going wrong with your animal, that they're just not quite right, it's worth it to get them into the vet, do some blood tests, you know, see if their thyroid's off or, you know, he's got a food allergy or he is in some kind of pain. And the more you can project a happy image and how much you love that cat, the, the you know, that can ease ease some of that depression, and animals do get depressed, and they they grieve, and they experience a very full range of emotions. So, I think it's important to to consider that. And you know, if if that doesn't help, give me a call, send me a go on my website, fill out a form, send me a picture, and I'd be lo- I'd love to help you with that. Uh,
0: PattyPetPsychic dot com, the website. Uh, and I yep. guess w- one thing that Shalane could try to uh, you know maybe. Take Dorian back to the vet and have more more tests done. Whether it's a good good place yeah. to, to to bring this in, and you say this on your website, you 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 make people uh, aware that uh, you don't replace the vet, right? Uh, that the, right.
1: That I I I can help you, you know, with things like uh, food problems, or you know, say yes, this animal has this going on. But I don't necessarily diagnose or treat things like that. I can help you go in the right direction. But you have to work with your vet. Your vet is there to, you know, help your animal live a long and happy life. So I do think it is a mistake to get a pet for your pet. You know, it's like, oh, my dog's bored. I need another dog. If you want another dog and that fits into your lifestyle, then by all means get one. It's harder with cats, and sometimes you have cats that really hate each other, and it's kind of like living in a war zone if you have two cats that don't like each other in the same house. So the animal that you already have, I think, has veto power over any other animals coming into the house. So, you know, really consider it from their perspective before you get another animal.
0: We just have a couple of minutes uh, left. Um, I I want to maybe just spend 30 seconds to a minute on this. I'm intrigued by your cat Monster. You've talked a little bit about (laughs) about Monster, Um, but and Monster is being rehomed, right? You you took uh, Monster in a a heck of a time, right? Uh,
1: One of the first experiences,
0: bit you uh, on the face, bit you on the shoulder.
1: An interesting backstory. She was a little orphan kitty about five weeks old, and they found her on the Big Six, uh, which is a big motor home that they do. They travel around and do low-cost spay and neuters in different communities. And they found her sitting on the wheel of the big fix. And they brought her in and put her with a mom that had slightly younger kitties. And the mom got distemper, and all the babies got distemper, and Monster was the sole survivor. So she went from being a snuggly cat that liked to, you know, burrow into your neck to being a very reactive biter. She bit me in the face the first night I had her while I was sleeping. So um, she, I had to tame her, <laughs> and it was all about setting boundaries and relationship building, and lots of band-aids. People asked me <laughs> if I had a cutting problem because I was so torn up. Right, and she yeah. has turned into a cute and charming uh, companion that makes me laugh every day. Mm-hmm.
0: So it can it be a long time. can can be done, yeah, and and uh, with with some persistence, persistence and love. I guess there might be some situations where it you just, you know, just wouldn't work, but it worked with, with Monster. Uh, just a minute left, uh, Patty Raymond. Um, w- what do you hope people take away from your book and maybe from this conversation? What would you most want people to know?
1: That even if you've had a bad relationship for a long time, like a cat that bites you in your, while you're sleeping, it can change, it can get better, but you get to decide how to make that happen. You know, you can shape your relationship You don't need to go out and buy a crystal ball. You already have the skills you need. You just need to apply them in different ways.
0: Well, we have reached the... And that's
1: what my book will help you do.
0: Yes, and so the book is Humans Think, Animals Feel. That is out and available. Uh, The website is pattypetpsychic.com. Patty Raymond, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. And uh, thanks for listening to Access Utah Today. We very much hope you enjoyed that episode. One of our favorite episodes from this past year. That's from March of this year with Patty Raymond. We'll, uh, we'll look to bringing Patty Raymond back on and, uh, giving some more, uh, advice for your pet. Uh, just a quick parting shot here. Uh, Black Friday's over. Cyber Monday is done. Perhaps you have all of your holiday shopping done. Uh, or maybe you're like me and you go to 7-Eleven on, uh, the 24th. Uh, but whatever you do, we hope you'll remember Giving Tuesday. Give to your favorite organizations. In nonprofits, and uh, we hope that Utah Public Radio is in the mix. And uh, if so, upr.org is the place to go. Upr.org. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSUFM Logan, also heard at UPR.org.